<laughs> you know, El Jefe, the boss, El Padrino. Do you know what I mean? Every language. Just, just exactly the chief. Just, you know, all my time. I love it. But at the same time, it's like when you need to be vulnerable, it's like, first of all, how do I deal with this? Like, ew, I can't share my feelings. I'm independent. And other people are like, oh no, you, you'll be fine. Like, do you know what I mean? When you try to eventually share your problems with people, they're like, oh, but you got this. Girl, you are boss. And you're like, do you know what? Even bosses need support too. Do you know what I mean? So Leiman, how's your week? <laughs> my week was good, bro. Um, I had my first two lectures of the term on Friday. Um, they were really cool. One was on how social mobility has changed in Britain since 1945, the mm. post-war period. So that was very interesting. And my second lecture was on the Cold War and kind of the origins of the Cold War from like an American uh, perspective. It was an American history paper. Any any gems? Any gems? Um, I would say, okay, let's talk. So from the first lecture, mm. um, he talked about how from the period from 1940 to 1980, there was actually a, an increase in equality. So there was lower inequality during that period, largely due to the creation of the welfare state, mm -hmm. NHS, the education system. Despite that decrease in inequality, people still felt more unequal in society mm -hmm. and class consciousness actually increased. Mm -hmm. And that was to do with the fact that people still felt like they were being disrespected by their superiors. Mm -hmm. So there hadn't been an actual change in kind of cultural attitudes, just economic realities, if okay. that makes sense, which was quite interesting. But yeah, that's enough of that stuff. Um, <laughs> Saladin, how was your week? The more episodes we're doing, the more I see myself in, in all the other interviews, kind of seeing how we're all very similar. You know, like what you learn in primary school that yeah. everyone's, <laughs> everyone's talking about your similarities. Like, yeah, that's see them be. tweets and it's like, we all had the same childhood. Yeah, oh. yeah we did. <laughs> well, you, know, you know that one tweet when it says, we all um, chilled with our friend for the last time when we were young. I was like, whoa, and we didn't even know it. That's, like, that's a deep that's a deep tweet that's really that's too deep for that's too deep <laughs> i can't <laughs> nah don't worry we're gonna call it back <laughs> <laughs> interesting so we've got a very special individual in the room finally or would you like to introduce yourself <laughs> hi guys my name is wanifa njovu i've this has been a long time coming y'all like we tried to do time. this i was sick things happened but we're here, we are God's here. Grace. Yeah, um, yeah. i'm a second year lawyer at trinity college um and I'm president of the African Caribbean Society. I'm also the BME officer of my college. And yeah, I'm just living my life. Really happy to be here. One, one of us, uh, another notorious uh, plate spinner. She's uh, spinning a lot plate of plates. Spinner, plate <laughs> Some of them are wobbly. <laughs> like, like that. That's it. We're going to talk about all those plates today. Yeah, yeah, wicked. yeah man. One of our... So let's let's start right at the beginning. At the beginning. What what are some early mem memories that come to mind? Early memories. I don't know if um I can count these as memories. I just know they happened to me. Mm -hmm. But um I was born in Zambia, mm -hmm. 1999. Um my parents uh, took the decision to move us all to the UK when I was 2 years old. Um I grew up in York ever since then. Very interesting experience. Not the most diverse place to grow up, but like retrospectively it's taught me a lot about myself and mm. really helped me grow as a person so i think i've always been pretty mature for my age and i don't know if i can pin that down to specific mm. incidents happening but i've always just felt like i've had to mm -hmm. step up and kind of be a woman from early mm. and i think just the fact that i've always had this like desire to please my parents and make them happy mm. and i don't know maybe that came from a subconscious awareness of the sacrifice that they'd made yeah. from a very very young age yeah. like i think just that whole beginning the whole 
thing of us moving, the whole thing of us starting from the bottom and like yeah. my parents struggling and seeing them work really hard every day. That's not a specific incident, but I think mm. that's definitely shaped me. Something really. interesting about that sort of looking back on your past and seeing how it shaped you is one thing I've come to realise is that it's the older you get, the more you sort of look back and go, oh, wait, mm-hmm. that was a moment. But in, exactly. in that moment in, in the time, moment, it just seems like something yeah, that happened. It's just, just another day. Yeah, just another mean? day just in the another office. Day. <laughs> <laughs> but it's when you look back, you're like, oh, wait, it's maybe because you start drawing dots and, and yeah, things like that. How often do you lot reflect on the past or how, lo- how often do you mm-hmm. lot reflect on your day or the week that you've had? Is it something that is important to both of you? I don't necessarily think I used to be a reflective person holistically in the sense that I've always been kind of a perfectionist. So I would only ever reflect and not even in a constructive way, just kind of look back and beat myself up or like criticize myself if I had experienced failure. Mm. But now I've realized like you have to dwell on Mm. your successes as much as on your failures because like you learn something from failure, yes, but you also learn things from successes. You need to learn, Mm. okay, what did I do right that made this go right and how Mm. can I repeat this? Mm -hmm. And I think um, for certain times, I know we've like been talking about this a little bit um, before we started, but I think definitely my faith strengthening, like growing closer to God has made me a lot more reflective because like I'm now not just thinking like how have I acted and how has that made Wanipa feel it's like how has that made my fellow brothers and sisters feel Mm. how has that Mm. made God feel ultimately and Mm. I think that's made me reflect more often and it's not even such a thing as like okay let me sit down and write in my journal and like talk about how I've been acting it's more just like a every so often I just stop and think like okay am I you know reflecting a character that I want people Mm. to see from me and that I think is the right person to be you know what i mean mm-hmm. mm, what about yourself Suleiman? um well, over the last few months i've started to journal mm. which have been which has been really rewarding like i've started to kind of look back on what i was doing like a few weeks ago and you, you forget everything you, you've done over the last yeah. like two three months so i do that as, on a day-to-day basis i try to and I, um my friend actually bought me a monthly kind of calendar thing mm. which i've stuck on my notice board which is quite cool because i can now see m- and i've also got an, so i've got three things so i've got my <laughs> daily journal i've got a monthly big timetable on my wall and Saladin recommended this um oh what's yeah it called? just a, a diary. diary yeah, yeah, yeah. recommended this diary so and it's like that a, one there that one oh, over okay. there yeah. it's a weekly diary yeah. and it's really good because it has it has a a, <laughs> a weekly thing and a pen holder. Oh yeah, the pen holder. <laughs> okay, listen. Like, if listen. my diary does not have a pen holder, I'm not getting that diary. Trust me, I'm man. Like <laughs> it's one of the early diaries that has a pen holder, which is so important because you always lose your pen when you have a diary. Yeah. That is um, fully right. Um, so yeah, it's sick because I can kind of view my life from three perspectives, like mm. a daily, a weekly, and a monthly, which yeah. is quite good. I like that. You touched on your relationship with with faith and mm. and at home. How have how did they come to Lord sort of shape you? My journey to faith. Um, has been very unique in the sense that it was very independent from a very, very young age. So I actually started going to church when I was around six, seven, but I didn't go with my family. I went with um, some family friends and I initially started going with them just to kind of like play with the kids, just like meet people, you know, you're just Mm. little, you just want to hang out with Mm. your friends. And then me and my brother used to go to church together just like that. Um, continued going, continued going, was hearing small, small lessons in Sabbath school, but like, you know, not really deeping anything too much. Um, my brother eventually stopped because he was playing football at the time. I kept going and I I began to like kind of understand things a little bit more, but I hadn't really internalized it too much. And then there was one point where um, my dad was really ill when I was about 12, that age. And then I, the way he was ill was like, 
it was like bad and i didn't even fully understand it at the time i just knew that this is not good and um just seeing the way the people at church acted towards him going to visit him and bearing in mind he didn't go to church so they didn't actually know him visiting him bringing him his favorite newspaper bringing him like yogurt and just the way they would just pray with me and with him and for us and just looked after me as if i was their own child i just really saw through them god's love mm. And so after that, I just kept going, kept going. There were a lot of things. So like I stopped eating pork, even though people in my house were still eating pork. I um, obviously was observing Sabbaths are going to church on Saturday, that kind of thing. And just really growing in faith very independently. But um, it was nice to have the support network of church. But I think it was always a thing like I wish I'd had at home a little bit more. Mm. And then when I was around 16, 17, I started really talking about baptism. And like, I very conscious, like, and I do respect my parents. Like they didn't really want me to take that step too early before I knew what I was getting into. And because they weren't too acquainted with the church in particular, it's like, you don't want your child to go up, go off and sign up to this thing that you don't really know about. And it's like, what are you doing there? Like, what are they teaching you? Um, but we were all going through some pretty difficult times as a family. And I brought them along to one service and like it was a choir service and I just felt something shift in the room and like it was all very emotional and I think um, my parents for various reasons like really decided that you know this was something that they wanted to partake in as well and so they started going to church from around that time when I was about 16 17 I got baptized in 2017 so I was 17 going 18 around that time and yeah since then because I think a lot of people think that baptism like once you commit yourself to god or if you purport, purport sorry to do that like then everything's good but i feel like that's when things started going like this i was being swayed really just living my life lukewarm kind of straddling you know everything that my friends were doing everything like i thought i needed to do to fit in and to be cool and like straddling faith and god and i think in very recent months i've kind of just come to that realization that like there's something greater than this. And I've just really tapped into God's love and just like really appreciated his grace. And it's just been very overwhelming, but I'm so happy for the journey. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I feel like it's because I'm quite an independent person. Like even now I don't like being told to do things. You know what I mean? And I, I think that God knew that for me, my personality type, if I had grown up in a Christian household, maybe I wouldn't be where I am now because I would have been like, why are you telling me to go to church? Mm. Why are you, you know, why are you forcing me to do this? Da, da, da. But I really found it by myself. And I just think, you know, he really do know me. Do you know mm. what I mean? I'm, yeah. re I'm really interested to kind of dive into that theme of independence mm. and that independent personality type that you used to describe yourself. Mm. If I look back, I have always been a pretty independent person. Like I did mention that I've always kind of wanted to excel academically. So at school, um, I was always independently learning afterwards so that I could further myself be the best. Similarly, like with my identity and like discovering who I was because I grew up in a predominantly white area. My mm. school was entirely white. Like that journey to self-discovery of my conception of black identity and what it means to me to be a black woman, that was all really independent. And I just kind of like spurred that on myself. And I don't really know where that, where that comes from, I guess my parents are very independent, hardworking people. So I guess I, I picked that up from them as well. And um, in terms of coming to uni, my independence has changed um, practically in the sense of like, here you have to do everything for yourself. Like even just studying the course I do law, it's very much like you have these contact hours, very, very sparse. And then the rest is like, just read, yeah. just read for yourself. <laughs> yeah, he knows that. <laughs> he, made, he took the plunge. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just very much, um, figure it out and yeah. it's like oh okay 
So mm. now academically, I have to be more independent than I was. Mm. Also, like, you have to go out and find every meal for yourself. Like, people don't, <laughs> people don't actually I'm, do I'm that about uni. Literally, it is a big scandal about every single uh, day. What are the virtues of being independent? The virtues of being independent. I think there are virtues, but there are also downsides. So virtues of being independent. I think my parents will testify to this. Like, I'm not always so easily swayed. Like, I was always that person. Like, if I was at, like, a little party in year 10 and, like, someone irritated me uh, at a sleepover and uh, I wasn't having a good time, someone irritated me, I would call my parents at, like, 3 a.m. and be like, take me home. <laughs> like, I don't want to be here <laughs> anymore. I'll deal with the consequences later. I'll yeah. deal with the friendship later. But right now, I need to be out of this situation. So I've always been very strong-willed, strong-minded. Like, if you tell me to do something and I'm like, huh? If there's doubt, I'm not doing it okay. and no one can make me. And I've never been a sort of, I've never had been a person who's had that kind of like fear of missing out too much. Like obviously to a certain extent, when you're a teenager, you want to be cool. You want to be liked. Mm. But in terms of like, if everyone's going to this place and I know I'm not going to enjoy it, I'm not going to go Proper. just for the sake of, do you know what I mean? So I think that's been pretty good. Um, the downsides though, I feel like once you're that independent, and you kind of create for yourself this persona of like, I love calling myself Miss Independent. You know, Miss Independent. <laughs> you know, El Jefe, the boss, El Padrino. Do you know what I mean? Every language. Just, just exactly, the chief. Miss, you know, all my time. I love it. But at the same time, it's like, when you need to be vulnerable, it's like, first of all, how do I deal with this? Like, ew, I can't share my feelings. I'm independent. And other people are like, oh no you'll, you'll be fine like do you know what I mean when you try to eventually share your problems with people they're like oh but you got this girl you are boss and you're like do you know what even bosses need support too do you know what I mean and like finally the other downside is like tying it into faith again because I like to draw the dots and make connections I feel like definitely if I look back on certainly the early points of my degree thinking I could do things in my own strength oh wow you can just fail your whole degree. Like, I think now, like, relinquishing some of that independence and, like, putting my life in God's hands, it's difficult for me because I'm still kind of a control freak. I'm like, I need to be working every second, but God is telling me you need to take time out of your day to read and study my word. Mm. And trust me that if you take that time out, what you would have read in three hours, I'll make you read in one hour. And, like, being able to, that's faith. And it's actually a big plunge for me because like my personality type, independent, controlling, like wanting to have a hold on every situation, putting that trust in someone else, it's been tough. Mm -hmm. Building up your personality mm -hmm. and presenting that to the world and the world receiving that exactly. and expecting that from you 24-7. And it's like, well, hold on. There's also bits that I'm not kind of like that. Or, or it's not just a, a, a sustained one identity. Exactly. It's more multifaceted. Than and that. like more, more so, it's not even the fact that it's like, oh, I, I need support and people are thinking that I've, mm. I've got this and everything's under control. It's even just like, you when you're in positions of like authority at university, you become a representative. So right mm. now, president of ACS, mouthpiece for like the black community the at black Cambridge. Community you know what I mean? Which literally. is like whatever that means. Yeah. And it's like, I, I get a lot of like young black women in particular, even sixth formers messaging me on like yeah. Instagram, LinkedIn, asking me, like oh my gosh how do you do this like i'm yeah. trying to do this how do you do this and it's like i don't necessarily want to give off the vibe that you always have to be this put together yeah. michelle obama yeah. business suit hair you know uh, uh, make uh, a uh, 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 smile mm -mm. <laughs> because i need to like you want to show people like it's okay to be vulnerable like everyone has we no one is like this perfect solid model of a human being where like you don't have feelings because like I would never want to give off the perception that those feelings of vulnerability equate to weakness. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't want to, because that's not healthy. That's mm. not a sustainable image to attain. And it links mm. a lot to how 
there's a rise in people having um, like a brand on social media mm. and having a public mm. profile. Mm. Like it can be very easy to just showcase your success. Like mm. everyone always talks about how LinkedIn people just hear about the success. <laughs> LinkedIn. <And I> heard, <laughs> LinkedIn. One of my friends, yeah. You one of my friends said <laughs> everyone. Everyone should have two LinkedIn accounts where they put all of their successes and successes and all of their rejections and failed interviews Ooh. and failed applications. And I was like, that's a really good idea because, I mean, like and. To be honest, yeah, there's not even I don't even know how I conceptualize failure in the first point anyway, because mm. like what does it mean to fail? Because mm. from true. failure you get experience, from failure you get feedback. It's like true. you can't like what does it mean to yeah. fail? Like one thing that's helped me in terms of implementing it into to my process is asking for feedback. Mm. And and in terms of failure and how that links, it's like changing the perspective you have towards experiences, because failure is an experience that you deem to be negative in a sense, yeah. right? But Going into a situation and being like, I am going to learn from this. And it does Conor McGregor that says you either win or you learn. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's like, even if I don't get the outcome, mm. there's a bigger picture. The process. There's yeah. a bigger picture. And, and mm. that bigger picture is me building up who I am and, and, and putting things in my bag and adding things to my mm. to my toolkit. Mm. And, and for me, seeing things in that way, in terms of the bigger picture way, is always very helpful. Mm. Because yeah. ultimately, we're not defined by our failures but we're not really defined by our successes either it's like true. but cambridge all right, cool but like what and and what before moving on to your time as president of acs in cambridge i really want to talk more about your time at york your time in york and okay. your, your secondary school experience yeah so really flesh that out for us like what was it like being one of the only black students in your school i went to a different um secondary school and sixth form and my experiences at the two different schools were very different both because i think of who i was surrounded by and experiences i had but also who i had become so i think from the age like from secondary school age so like 11 to 16 like the large majority of that was really spent just not really i didn't really deep that i was different in the sense that i knew outwardly i was different and I knew that there were certain things, like if we're in the history class and we talk about slavery, people's necks are going to crack to look at me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I knew at certain points I knew I was different, but I think I was just so concerned with trying to numb those differences and just trying to like play up to the role of like, okay, I'm different, but let me be different in a way that's pleasing to mm, other people. Palatable, like, yeah. yeah, palatable, exactly. I'll be the token black friend, like, ha, ha, ha. I make jokes that, ha, ha. You know what I mean? And, um... Looking back, like, that was actually kind of sad. Like, it's quite a sad existence. And I think it's one of those things where if I could go back, I probably wouldn't change it because of how it shaped me. And, like, I think I let a lot of things slide. So I let people touch my hair all the time without even asking. I would never say anything. I let people make little comments, like stupid comments about having dark skin, which like now I know would be racism or microaggressions. By the time I was just like, okay, I'll just kind of let them pick fun at me uh, just because it will be easier to just, you know, not talk about this elephant in the room that I am clearly different, at least on, on a surface level, like I'm mm. black, they're white. Mm. Um, when I came towards the end of secondary school, going into sixth form, I really started to just develop a self-awareness. And this came like really simply just through like social media, um, looking at you know black empowerment like mm. melanin queens only pages on instagram <laughs> and um just like watching certain documentaries and stuff and they kind of i kind of started to find out more about black american culture but i think that was a really good starting point for me and i was just like okay wow this is not cool this is not cool and i kind of always felt it but it kind of gave validity mm, to like the feelings that were yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. legitimized yeah. i was like okay so other people are experiencing yeah. this as well and this is how they're dealing with it and so i went into sixth form like ready 
for like if anyone tries me <laughs> Come have <outside>. mercy <laughs> because we will scrap so I started a blog it was called Melochrome right, it's always it was, a blog is it still operated huh? is it still up it's Melochrome. it's on the internet somewhere yeah, I don't cool. add to it yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I started the blog Melochrome I thought it was really clever monochrome oh, you know, yeah, black yeah, and white yeah, yeah. and um, it was just about my experiences growing up black in a white society um, the first article I wrote was called The Bifurcated um, Existence and it was about how I was like too black for the white kids, too white for the black kids. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. when, if I ever went somewhere else and met a lot of black people, they'd be like, oh, like, why do you talk like that? Like, oh, you don't know what they, you can't even, you know, Zanku. And I was like, oh. <laughs> no, 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 I don't know. Do you know what I mean? And so that was about nav- navigating that experience. And then as I got more into it, me and my two friends, like the topic started to get a bit meatier, you know, but <laughs> we were feeling very bold. And, um, there was some articles in particular we wrote about, for example, like you can't use the N-word. And this is when things started okay. stirring the pot because a lot of people who I thought would, you know, support me and be behind me, turns out they weren't too happy with that. Mm. And so I actually had a lot of incidents towards the end of sixth form where um, someone commented on the blog being like, oh, if you hate whiteness so much, why don't you go to Africa? And I was Ooh. like, okay. That's all right. We just wrote a follow-up article. It was no big deal. When everything's going well, mm-hmm. everyone's cool beans. But it's when something comes up and I said that causes a little bit of friction. You start to things start to unravel. People's character, exactly. because it's like it's kind of like you've been friends with these people at a certain level, and you've all got into your role. So I'm I've sunken into my role of being the token mm-hmm. black friend. I can make jokes. I can make people mm-hmm. laugh. Like people, I let a lot of things slide and people are comfortable with that. But as soon as the boat gets rocked mm-hmm. slightly, it's like you people's true character, which you wouldn't see in any other situation, just really comes out and you think, mm. like yeah. I'm thankful for those times yeah. because it's like a lot of that extra baggage that I don't yeah, need it. You yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah. and I think now I'm like a lot more intentional with my friendships as mm-hmm. well. Just in the sense of like, I'm not, someone who really needs to be surrounded by a big group all the time like i'm very happy to just sit in my own peace for a while Mm. very happy to just have a couple close friends so it's like if i identify something in someone's character that like this doesn't really sit well with me it's not like it has to be a nasty like oh i'm cutting you off like we're not friends anymore it's just like i'm happy to keep my distance and just keep my inner circle good energy do you know what i mean Suleiman, how do you think your criteria for friendship has changed mm-hmm. as you've grown older. I remember you talking to Samuel about this. Like back mm. in the days, it was all about who's gonna back the beef. But now, now it's much more. You mean know, much more wholesome than that? Um, yeah, it's really about people that, and okay, they have core characteristics like integrity, humility, perspective. People that align with your values and kind of understand our place in the world mm-hmm. within like a larger framework and larger kind of like within the grand scheme of things yeah i like to have people in my inner circle who are ambitious and who have vision people who have like goals that they're striving towards people who aren't happy just being stagnant because it really helps you it's like um i had a friend recently send me loads of pdfs of like books like really encouraging motivating books like yes that's what i want i want people who are going to mm. build me up mm. i want people who are going to be like oh hey i watched this video it like really enriched my life like mm. do you know what i mean like people who are building themselves up and want to see you prosper as well. Mm. And um, for me as well, like I mentioned faith, Mm. I recently realized that like having friends of faith in my inner circle 
really close to me has been so important, so encouraging. It's a really difficult journey. Mm. It can be like a really narrow and difficult path, but like having people to support you, mm. so crucial. I, d- I don't think that we stop looking for cool people. We yeah. just change our definition of cool. Mm. Ah, I think I, like I think I think that's really the case. Yeah. Um, and before we uh, come to an end with this conversation, let's really talk about your time at Cambridge. Let's mm-hmm. talk about your time as the president of ACS. Mm. Like, how has Cambridge shaped you? How has being the president of ACS shaped who you've become today? So I think being the president of ACS has like taught me so much about myself, um, who I am as a leader, how I deal with failure, how I deal with, you know, people not listening to me, how I deal with being a role model. You see a lot about yourself, not just good things. You see bad things about yourself and things that you want to look back at and be like, okay, I don't think I want to be like this again. Let me adjust how I speak to people. Let me adjust how I manage people. It's been such a roller coaster. It's been intense. It's been a lot like sometimes you think that um, being the president of a uni society, you think, oh, it's not that deep. It's just a uni society. And then you realize like, no, like, uh, let me just <laughs> sprinkle some goodness on our name. Like we are Cambridge ACS. Like, takes every I, whole life, I assume, li- Literally. And it's like the things we're doing are beyond just a society in university. It's not just about, you know, throwing parties, having a good time. Like we're really impacting young people's lives. Like we're being role models. We're helping young black people see themselves in these institutions. Like that's so important. And the way you carry yourself and the way you conduct yourself, just the way you make people feel mm. is just so important. And mm. I'm just so grateful for the experience. Like it's just put me on platforms that I never mm. dreamed of being on or never dreamed of being on this young. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful for the experience. Like, I, if you ask me, like, looking back, would I do it again? A hundred percent. A hundred, hundred percent. Let me flip it. And I'm just going to say one final point on this um, this question. Something that I've struggled with at, at Cambridge is the relationship between self-care and self-development. So you kind of spoke about how we need to know our limits. Yeah. And for me, that's such a difficult concept to grasp because like, I don't want to have limits. <laughs> you know what yeah. I, mean? I want to be someone that can do everything, everything. right? And it's, it's knowing when to stop, when like you, you you can't physically work 24 hours of the day you can't be super productive like productive management right like um we live in a culture that's very you I mean like hustle culture like it's yeah. all about how many sides hustles do you grind. have it's all about monetizing our hobbies in yeah. every way yeah. and it's just we lose that presence when when we do things yeah so um yeah the relationship between self-care and self-development is something i'm working on right now yeah. like you said at the start i'm the plate spinner i am yeah. the chief plate spinner <laughs> and i'm telling you a lot of them are yeah. you know wobbling a yeah. lot of them look like they were gonna fall there's been times where i've been at a very 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 low point and mm. i think once you get on the brink of that stage mm. you have to just be like i can't come and kill myself like i literally just can't come and die because what this is even scripture, but what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses himself? Mm. Do you know what I mean? I'll leave you on that. Let's leave it on that, man. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't, ain't going to talk that. <laughs> I have to say, you guys, thank you for having me. No, and wait. I really have to say, Jen, I think you bring out the best in people. No, really and truly. Work. So thank, thank you for this experience. Love, yeah. guys. Much Very love. Nice. All right. <laughs> That's it.